Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back to Brooko Mode for episode 20. I'm joined by Tom Ames. Hi, how are we? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Thanks for coming on. Got a new little thing I'm doing with the intro rapid fire questions. Get a bit of audience insight to you. So we've got favourite leg of the triathlon. The bike for sure. Running's not for me. Neither, <laughs> neither is swimming, so the bike for sure. Favourite book? I'm going to go with... What favourite book? The Coffee Table by Yokoshima is his last name, but yeah, it's a good book. Okay, I'll have to have a look at that one. Favourite movie? Oh, the Dark Knight. Mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> best, best, movie, best movie. Best movie going Fucking hell, I never yeah. thought that would happen. By far. I'm glad, I, far. I'm glad I put that one in. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good moment. Uh, country you most want to do a triathlon in? America, Hawaii, the Ironman World Championships in Kona. Kona, for sure. yeah. Yep. I've been there on the day. It's good. AFL Grand Final or Boxing Day Test? No, nah, Grand Final. Been to a Grand Final before. Which one? 2013, Mate. Hawthorne v Frio. <laughs> <laughs> Hawthorne v Frio, I was in the very last row. Fuck. And it was just so good as a Wait, Hawthorne fan. I was not... This, I'll tell you a little quick story before I get into it. Yeah, I obviously go for Geelong. But that day was sick and we went to the parade the day before. But we were on level one, so really, really mm. good seats. And I remember I started going for Hawthorne because I had a teacher in primary school who was a big Freo supporter, and I just did not want Freo to win. I started high-fiving strangers who were going for Hawthorne. You would think I was a Hawthorne supporter. Oh, no, best day of my life. So we'll go get into a little bit of footy before we get into mostly the triathlon and mindset stuff because I think that's really, really powerful. So obviously you're a great leader, a great bloke, and play down at North Beach. How much? How much do you love amateur football? Oh, it's honestly the best thing that I've done footy wise. I remember coming back to Perth when I was in year seven and playing for North Beach. And I guess growing up, you kind of saw the older boys as almost like your heroes. So when we get into year ten, and a few mates just started talking about what we're going to do after footy had finished in juniors, and 
I just remember everyone just going, oh, we just got to join North Beach. So we'll all just play together. And so I guess all of your mates playing with you in the same team at the same club, like not only are you playing the game you love, you're playing it with the mates that you love. So, yeah, that's the best thing about North Beach and amateur footy. Yeah. I think I said this with Tom on Friday. Yeah, my favourite thing about community sport is the relationships, but then the exercise. Like mm. you're getting that connection, but you're also exercising. So it's just like perfect thing, isn't it? I found it so hard to meet up with mates after school who I who don't play footy with me. But like my mates who I see three times a week, like they're your best mates and you're playing the same game together. It's like you don't need to see them outside. Of course you do, but no, it's so easy. You get yeah. sit to know everyone at the club. It's great, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just need something for you guys to catch up, like an opportunity. Mm. It's, it can be hard to be like, oh, you want to catch up. And then just like having footy and something to go to together can be really, really beneficial. Have you always been such a great leader? Oh, look, it's a bit of a compliment. <laughs> I've, uh, I've always been a leader in sports. I've always seen myself as a type of person who can, I guess, get a group together and achieve something. I don't know if it's like, of course, no one's going to say, oh, yeah, I'm a really good leader, but I feel like it's a good quality that I've got. I've always been able to be comfortable in a leadership position. I know some people don't like it. Some people don't like talking to the group, but... Yeah, I've always been comfortable as a leader. I've always felt like that I can do my best when I am in a leadership position. But yeah, no one, no one wants to say I'm the best leader, but I feel like I'm a, I'm a good leader when the time comes. Yeah, Mate, of course. I remember we played Colts a little bit, I think it might have been two or three years ago, and in the back line together, and you were in and out of the team. But I was like, I was just really shocked because like you make... You made me such a better player. You made the back line such a better player. This is pumping your tyres up here. But the power of good leadership, like you see it in the league with mm. Tom Hooper, like having really good leaders, it's not just about what they bring. It's about like the fact that they can bring other people up, lift their standards. And yeah, you might not, you see it in the AFL, you might not be the best mm. player. Yep. But if you can bring everyone else up, fuck that. You're like a little, a bit of a coach on the field. Yeah, I, I remember hearing a podcast that Luke Hodge did with Dylan Friends talking about, who Luke Hodges most like his the best player that he would have on a team. I remember he brought up Ben Stratton, who eventually was a Hawthorne captain, but he he didn't have great skills. He wasn't that good of a player, but he would always be first picked because of his leadership skills. Like he's he was so good for that team, supposedly, that you couldn't not have him in, in the side because he just made everyone else around him better. So I think that's really important is if you can you got to play well, of course, to start off with. But if you make others better, it helps you out enormously. Yeah, 100%. Have you ever thought about giving your full attention to your triathlons? Like, because obviously with footy, there is a bit of an age limit. So you're not like, besides like we've got Leash, you're playing mm. like to high 30s. But what are your sort of like plans, I guess, with football? Look, I wasn't going to play at the start of the year. I remember going down and training a few times, just coming off the triathlon season. And I just remember thinking, oh, like, I, I love the season that had just gone with triathlon and everything. And I thought, oh, like, do I even bother playing? I didn't love footy training for the first couple of months and weeks, but look, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. But in the long term, you can't play footy for the rest of your life, but in triathlons, you see people who are 50, 60 plus still doing them. So I think after footy's done, after, you know, you've, can't really do any more full attention to triathlon, absolutely. But 
you know, I'm hoping that day doesn't come anytime soon because I still love footy. Yeah, 100%. So it's a good little segue into the triathlon stuff. So I am guess I'm sort of interested in what inspired you to get into triathlons. Well, it was first my uncle Wayne who had done Ironman triathlons and he was kind of the first one that kind of introduced me to the concept of triathlons. And as a kid, we would go up to... Noosa, just north of Brisbane in Queensland, and they've got a triathlon event there. And my mum and dad did it a couple of times. And I just remember the whole atmosphere. Just, it's the most incredible day. And I remember doing the kids' triathlon as well, thinking I'm, you know, racing in an elite race, but, you know, everyone gets a medal at the end of the day. But just the atmosphere, I think it's so inspiring watching other people do such hard things. It gets you inspired. I think I was maybe eight or ten when I first saw it, and I remember thinking, like, this is the best sport in the world. You've got three things coming together. Everyone seems to enjoy it. Everyone seems to love it at on the day. Of course, the training's hard, but it's a great sport that can inspire people after you witness it once. So that's kind of when I first got into it, is when I was eight or ten, seeing other people do it, thinking, yeah. I'll be right at this. I feel like, for me, I had to dip my toe into triathlons a little bit with the small stuff when I was a lot younger but I think for me there was like footy and cricket and I don't know because it's an individual sport you know you can train with people but it is such an individual sport what was the was there a major turning point that made you think like yeah I really want to like give this a a red hot crack I was in year eight and a mate said to me oh he was thinking about doing a triathlon locally and I hadn't done one for a while and I thought oh, you know, I've done one before I can probably do it again so I signed up to it and I did okay like I, I, I did pretty well and I thought you know I could probably do this for the next couple of years and I had three seasons between 14 16 so I had three seasons of triathlon then stopped it because oh, I don't even know what happened. I had a car I had a bike accident I got hit by a car in, 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 in year 10. wasn't too bad, but it kind of stopped me from training for that season. So I kind of just dropped away from it. And I remember in 2021 thinking, oh, well, this is – the Ironman race was coming up. And I was about four months out. And I remember thinking, I could do one. I, I could definitely do it. So I signed up to it. And, yeah, that's, that's been it ever since. So for the audience who don't, you know, we're talking about triathlon stuff. Maybe get a bit of an insight into, obviously, you're still young and you haven't done lots mm. too much yet, but maybe a bit of insight into what events you you have done. So I used to do, as a kid, the sprint distance triathlons because the endurance ones were just too much. So it would be a 750-metre swim, a 20k ride and a 5k run. They didn't really allow you to get into any longer ones. I did one Olympic distance when I was 16 and then you can't go any further until you're, until you're 18 for... I guess health reasons and things like that. Kids probably can't do the longer distances, but the Ironman triathlons, I don't do the half Ironmans, but it's a the half Ironmans, a 1.9K swim, a 90K ride and a 21K run. And the full-on ones, a 3.8K swim, 180km ride and a 42km run. So it's a marathon in each sport. So, yeah, the halves are still bloody difficult, but compared to the full, it's, it's nothing. But the half is definitely not the Ironman's distances are definitely not for everyone a lot of the even elite triathletes a lot of them will be good at the sprint distances but 
can't do it for a longer amount of time. So I guess it's, it's kind of a more, it's held to a higher standard in some regard because you've got to be seriously mentally and seriously physically fit. So yeah, that's a, that's the triathlons that I do. Yeah, sweet. I saw something on TikTok similar to this comparing the half and the full and he was saying that like the main difference was the mental side. Mm. So it's definitely going to be saying to for you to, you know, get into that space. But obviously still like you're still doing halves which are over five hours mm. and that's stuff that not many people get into, that long endurance stuff. It's fucking, it's hard. Like uh, you do, I do long runs and riding on a bike and you're like, fuck, man, this is hard. Imagine doing like what you do. Yeah, I, I guess for the – it's hard in training because – because it isn't in an individual sport, a lot of the individual sports, if you're not really good at it, there's not a lot of other people around you. So I guess in swimming, people sort of drop drop away and if you join a group, you can't train with them as well. But in terms of triathlon, unless you're really good and you've got a triathlon group around you, training by yourself can be really hard. I remember going for three-hour rides. I did the same loop and I remember thinking after hour and a half in, I thought, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I don't need to be out here, but I guess it's that mental battle that you've got to always want to stop because it is so long and you get into a start start a long run, you start a long swim, and you start a long ride and it's like, okay, oh, I've got such a long time ahead. But the, all, the thing that I remember whenever I've got it is just it's almost the last K in a run or it's the last sort of road on the ride or the last 100 metres in the swim, it's always the best feeling in the world because, you know, oh, I've got 100 metres to go. I've just got this last stretch of road. That's all I've got and then I'm done. And it's a feeling when, when you're done and you look back on it, it's like I've just ridden 90 k's because yeah. I wanted to. So yeah. that's the mental battle. It's always – I guess I'm always looking for that relief afterwards. kind of gets me through it as well. Yeah. So a good quote – I like to apply it because we talk about motivation being a bit bullshit sometimes and, and the power of discipline. You would have heard this before, but you know, discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. So I feel like with you, when you do a lot of your training, and I'm sure you've had a, a session, a, a, something where you've set out to do something and you've, you, you know, you, you've, you've cut some slack, you haven't mm-hmm. done it, or you haven't done a session, you just skipped, you said, fuck it. Does that... Do you have those feelings of regret or like how does Headspace for you? I remember starting off after I signed up to the first Ironman. I I was after the first year of footy and I felt like at the end of it I put on lots of weight during the footy season because you're out with mates all the time. But I remember I guess the f- I remember being in my house about to go to footy training for the last time and my parents were talking to me about and they're big into fitness and things like that. And I'm, mum was like, "Oh, like you, you're going to go to the gym soon? Like, what are you going to do?" And I was like, "Oh, look, I'll, I'll be all right." And I just remember thinking to myself, like, like a fucking, I was such a good athlete, and I've I put on such a big amount of weight. I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm, I'm a fucking disgrace to myself. So that hit me. I remember getting into my car, and just bursting into tears. And I went, "I've got to." do something about this I, 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 I can't live with myself if I'm still like this so I'm just seeing the race signed up for it and I did a, my first run I thought alright I won't I'll just time myself because I don't want to look at the K's 
I remember running for 12 minutes and stopping and thinking, no, nah, that's me done. Like, I can't do any more. I remember getting home after about half an hour and I remember thinking, oh, I've just run for 12 minutes. I can't run anymore. I, I, I used to be able to run for half an hour and not break a sweat. So it was the regret that I had over the things that I'd done. I'd had such fun during the footy season, and, but I think I, I lost the balance that I needed. And I feel like I've really done well there is – it's the discipline that you need leading up to an event, leading up to a season that where and look, I sort of put the pressure on myself thinking like I've got to train every single day. And so it's it's the regret at the end of the day if you didn't train. It's like I oh, I had so much time to do something. So it's the it's the motivation, as we can say, the motivation only gets you so far. It, that gets your foot in, in the door. It's the discipline that breaks the door open and pushes you through. So the regret of not training during a day when I was leading up to the Ironman was so heavy. I remember thinking, oh, I've just got to train, I've just got to train. Whether it was a 5K run or a 1.5K swim, I just had to do something yeah. to just to be all right with myself that night, going to bed. So, yeah, that's probably yeah. the difference there. Yeah, we, we talk about it. We've been speaking a bit about, like, the daily struggle. Like, every day, like, with the triathlon stuff, it's almost like, yeah, you can you can do so much training, such a big block, but, like, you wake up the next day like fuck. You've still got to go at it. You're mm-hmm. not. You're not just an end product. It's a. It's an ongoing process. How did you look at yourself? You know, Goggins talks about the accountability mirror, but how do you face that? Because it's so, it's so easy to make excuses, especially in this modern world, and and lie to yourself. But it takes a lot of courage to say fuck. I do not like this version of me, mm-hmm. but I'm changing it now. I remember oh, I started training and. You started to see the gains. And so it was the first month where I was seriously unfit. I remember getting in the pool, finishing up a kilometre, and I thought, oh, like I'm, it hurts to do a K. The event I'm doing is a 1.9K swim, and then I've got to do a 90K ride and a 21K run. So it was the thought that I'm, I'm hurting now. Imagine what the pain is going to be on on the day. So it was... It was the fear that I had to face of, like, I've, I'm, about, I'm, I'm about to do this event. It's such a scary race because there's thousands of other people that do it. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I, I can't not do this. I've, I've, I've got to get this done. So wake up every morning. It's, 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 it's not easy. I remember driving to the pool sometimes thinking, like, it's such an annoying thing that I've got to do. I, have, I can't believe I've got to do this. But waking up going... I get it done, I feel I feel better about myself. And I remember my mum saying, like the before I started, she always said, the feeling afterwards is much greater than the feeling during. So just get it over and done with. So I thought, oh fuck it, let's just get this done out of the way. And it doesn't sound great when you just want to get something over and done with, but I still love it. I still love the the feeling of finishing up something, going like that. That, that was hard, but I did it. So. Yeah, I think. Who was it? Joe Rogan talking about like how our human reward systems like thousands of years ago, we had to struggle before we mm. got a reward. And I think there's a lot of a bit of a stigma around hard work and stuff. And, and it's almost like everything should be enjoyable. But fuck, I don't see a problem at the moment with how I think of it. Like with that struggle, like there's nothing. I think it's powerful to have a struggle and then, you know, f- get that feeling of reward. An interesting thing. I want to ask is I had Harry Quayle come on and speak about eating the frog. Like, you know, 
getting it done early in the morning. Mm. A lot of people who train and do like endurance events like you like to get it done early in the morning because fuck, I've just started a new morning routine where I get up and it doesn't have to be much, but 30 minutes of something, whether it's riding, mm. walking, gym, just, and because it just changes your mindset. Then I have a cold shower. It puts you in a totally different mindset. And then every decision you make, is is you're in a better headspace to make good decisions and and you feel good. So ha- do you do much of your, most of your training in the mornings? Oh, look, I I definitely try to. Uni and work sometimes come in the way, so you got to do something afterwards. But in the frogs, a great example of like if you get something over and done with, the feeling afterwards is so good. Like push through the hard time early, the rest feels great. So getting up in the morning is it's definitely hard. There are some cold mornings up where you're just like. Oh, just don't need to do this. I don't need to be up this early, but getting it out of the way early is the best thing I feel like because you've got the rest of the day to, to do all the normal things that you need to do. So basing around training, early mornings are tough, but after they're done, it's the best feeling in the world here. Yeah. I feel like with triathlons and stuff and all those endurance events, there's almost like, what are the fucking limits? Like, we, how have you sort of given yourself some goals to you know, say like, oh, I'm, I'm happy I did this because I feel like a lot of the people who do the training is like, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. Mm. But how do you be content with what you've done? Oh, that is hard. I've had some times where I've gone for runs and I've thought, all right, I'll go out and do 8Ks just to get the legs ticking over. And I remember hitting 8Ks going, oh, I feel good, I'll, I'll get to 10. It's like, oh, I feel good, I'll, I'll get to 12. And I remember hitting 11.5Ks and, and my knee kind of blew up. And I thought oh, it was stupid that I, that I did that because I didn't need to. I think I swam during the morning. I remember having this pain in my knee and I thought, oh, I'm never doing that again. It's, I guess the feeling of being happy with what you've done during the day also comes with, I think you've got a plan. I think having a, a routine when it comes to training is really important. You can't do too much too early if you don't have the fitness or if you don't have the capacity. So I think... The fact that I ran eight eight k's was really good, but I guess my ego kicked in, and I thought, oh, "I'm, I'm better than this. I can go for a little bit longer," which was good. Like I hit ten k's and felt good about myself, and then when you know, I'll, I'll just do one more lap and did twelve, and I just remember thinking, oh, "My knee was in such pain. I was like, I'm never doing that again." So I, I started to plan what I would do and just improve on every run. But I've got to hit a certain goal before I can then move up to, to the next one. So. Being okay with your training, I think, has to come with planning. I think if you plan it out and see what you've got ahead of you, hitting each goal becomes easier. Yeah, I think you're right. Setting like the, the smaller goals can really help you because because I'm, I'm similar. I'm sure everyone else is similar. Like, fuck, your ego gets me like, all right, there's more you can do. But, yeah, being able to stick to something because then you know you're on the right path and that, and then you can be content with that and not feel like you've left something in the tank sort of thing. Something I'm interested to talk to you about is obviously you're starting to push the physical boundaries of yourself and improve that. But how much, how have, I guess with all this training, have you sort of realized how powerful the mind is? Oh, a hundred percent. It's a very taxing sport on you physically, but because it's, because you're always thinking, on the longer runs and the longer rides, you're always like your mind always drifts away. So it's, but then you, you see your times and how fast you're going, and you, you sort of drop away. So I think it's 
making sure that you're staying focused at all times. I know people like to distract themselves when they run, but especially when it comes to the training, when you're trying to push for certain speeds and certain times, it's being able to push yourself through the pain that's the hardest part of it and staying focused on what you want to, like what your goals are. Riding is probably the hardest one to do because in terms of training, it's a little bit difficult to always maintain your speeds with things like oh, riding on the road mostly. You've got traffic, you've got traffic lights and things like that, so you've always got to keep yourself aware when you're riding. But pushing for times is the hardest part when you know you've got a massive hill up ahead of you and you know it's going to suck. But you've got to make sure that you can't you can't drop away on, on your pace, otherwise the training do- doesn't work. You've got certain... I've got certain roads where I know that I'll need to work on my hill climbs or I'll need to work on my flat distance speed and it just sucks because you know that like all all you want to do is back away, get off the tri bars, sit up for a bit, get comfortable, but it's it's sitting in the hard in the hard positions where you learn the most about yourself. Uh, pushing through that pain, if you come off a really hard training session, you finish up, you're you feel good about yourself because you've gone through that really tough period. So I think pushing through the adversity definitely builds the mental strength where you know that you can do something. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you're right. That's the hardest thing to do is is face that that uncomfortableness. And I guess you, you hear like lots of endurance athletes speak about that. But I feel like it's really, really easy to lie to yourself mm. and, and, and say like, man, I'm running. Or I'm riding. I'm out here. This is good. But you know deep down I'm I'm not doing this as hard as I should be. I've got more to go. How do you how do you sort of like we talked about the accountability mirror, how do you speak to yourself and say, Fuck, I've got to go harder here. I know I got more in me. Oh, it's it's definitely tough. I stick to the same running route and I remember one day I thought, Alright, I've got to get fifteen K done today and I was a little bit sore from the day before. And I thought, all right, I'll just back off. I'll back off the pace here. I, rem- I remember looking at my times, thinking, oh, no, that's all right. I'm doing six minute 30Ks because I'm a little bit sore. Still got 10Ks to go. I remember thinking to myself, I thought, oh, I'm just a little bit sore. I haven't got a, like, I'm not seriously injured. I'm just a little bit sore from the day before. So pushing yourself and knowing that, yes, this training's hard, but just because I'm sore a little bit or, the weather's not really good. doesn't mean I can back off because when it comes to race day, if I'm a little bit sore, I can't just slow down a little bit. Like with, with triathlons and Ironman triathlons, there are time limits that you, have to get, that you have to reach. And after my first one, having two flat tires on my ride and coming off on my second flat tire, there's a, there's a certain time on the bike that you have to reach. And it took the mechanics about half an hour to get to me and change my tire each time. And I was doing really well for the first 10Ks after my first flat. And I remember on my second flat, I got bandaged up by the ambulance. They checked me out for everything, checked my head and everything. And I was, I, was, I was all right. But 200 metres away after the tyre had been changed, there were these two riders on mountain bikes in high-vis vests. And I remember the mechanic saying to me like, oh, by the way, you better get going now. If these guys pass you, you're out of the race. Like, they actually pull you off the course. So, I remember my second training block, 
thinking anything can happen. I could have three flat tires, but if I know that I can't push myself a hundred percent for a hundred percent of the time, I like you. You may be told, "Oh, sorry, you're done for the day, mate." So it's that fear of not finishing that pushes me through my training sessions mostly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a good little quote. It comes with to footy or anything is like prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Mm. Because like when you, I've gone into footy games right where in your head you're like, "Oh, this will be a bit easier," or like, "I know I'm gonna do well," and the games always seem harder. I'm sure that the same thing happens with running. If as soon as you put an expectation that something that's normally uncomfortable is going to be really easy. Like, it's hard, though, because you want to have confidence, but you don't want to put lower the expectations because a lot of the things that you do with endurance are fucking hard. And it's good to have confidence in your ability to push through that, but you can't be telling yourself, like, this is going to be easy because then you get there and you're like, fuck up. Like, this is way harder than I thought it was Mm. going to be, sort of thing. Do you ever think about how you get that balance right between having confidence in your ability to push through it but not setting the bar too low but with how hard it's going to be yeah i think with training especially that's where i found that balance is with with planning for training i wasn't great at it but i was okay like i always knew i'd set days where i'd ride run and swim and making sure that i hit a certain goal i reached that distance or time was always really important for me knowing that i could go through the worst i I remember towards the back end of the training with about a month to go that's sort of where you're reaching your your peak distance and your peak fitness and then you sort of taper off during the last couple of weeks and I think knowing that seeing how far you've got let's say three months out from the race knowing that in two months time you've got to be this fit you've got to reach this time so you've got to have this speed and being so far off it um, start, starting off with you know that there's that uphill battle that you've got to get through but you've got to get to this point if the worst thing on, on the day happens you've got to be at, at your peak fitness so that you can push through anything so yeah I think that's the hardest part is knowing the uphill battle that you've got to reach your peak fitness but then you've got the race ahead of you so yeah. there's so much that you've got to do to get to a certain point and then you begin the race so yeah it's it's a hard event, but that's probably why I love it. Yeah. With with that, like, how do you... Because it's a bit different of footy. You get to... It's a really powerful thing that I think about is, like, with footy, you, obviously the pre-season, but then during the season, there's a lot of, like... I guess you get an opportunity to perform, mm. and then you get feedback, and then you can get motivation from it. You look, you play well. Even if you play bad, you can think, fuck, I've got another game to look forward to. But with endurance things, I guess... A lot of individual sports are like this with like Olympics. But you do such so much training and you don't get that feedback. You don't get that opportunity to really put it into practice. And is there ever like doubts that come across your head? Like, because you have to be patient. And God, I don't want to keep referring back to Goggins, but he talks about if you want to change and make positive change, you do have to be, it's a daily struggle, but you have to be patient with it too sort of thing because it's not just going to come the next day. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like it's It's the hardest thing in the world knowing that, you finish up a really hard training session, but you're the only one who knows how hard it was or what you did to get there. Like, of course, you got your family members and close friends who know what you're doing and know what you're going through, but they also don't. Like, the, they don't know what's going on when you're 10 k's into a run and you've got 10 k's to go. Like, it's, it's so good with footy having 21 others out there as well as coaches knowing what you've done 
and what you've had to do to, to get there and you get that positive affirmation from them. But the only people who see you in triathlon is often the people who see you on race day. So if your race day doesn't go to plan, people start to think, oh, well, did he do enough training or did he not push himself hard enough? And so I think it's, I've spoken about the fear of it, but it, it is the fear of letting someone down, letting someone who believes in you. It's They've worked so hard to make sure that you're in the right position. I've got such good family members who are so supportive of me and everything. And letting them down is probably the biggest fear for me. So I know that if I've got, if I'm halfway through a ride, it's a long ride and I've got 40 k's to go on that ride, it's like, I, could, I know it's going to be hard, but the people who believe in me the most, I don't want to let them down. That's what gets me through the really tough times. So when you're out by yourself is who else is supporting me? Who else is coming down? And I've got such great family members that come down for every race and they're always so good. And it's seeing their joy as well when you finish. Like, I've, they didn't do any of the training, but they're just as happy for me in everything. Like, they know how hard I work to get there. And it's the support that they give to me that really gets me through the tough training sessions. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's, it's You do need to, you know, lean on or take motivation from other people as well. But I guess... As well, like, at the end of the day, that's all good, but it is fucking still in your head, isn't mm. it? Like, mm. it's a good it's a good way to motivate yourself, but I love how Goggins talks about, like, the mind game and, like, I guess endurance sports like the one you do. Like, it's, fuck, it's all in your head sort of thing. And yeah. That's, that's like, empowering as well. Oh, a hundred, like, it, finishing up a hard session and knowing that, like, I could go for rides in the morning and the wind's in my face the whole way. Like, I've had rides where I'll head north for 20Ks and I'll head south back the same way and I'll, and I'll do the same loop. And I remember the wind being in my face so hard on the first 20Ks. I think, oh, thank God. Like, I'm going to turn around and go back the other way. It's going to be right behind me and I'm going to be flying. And the wind change. And it's in, it's in your face on the ride back and you're thinking, what the fuck is... <laughs> like, what... And I, I think I built myself up thinking, oh, thank God, like I'm going <clears> to <throat> have this relief of turning around and just fly home. And then the wind changed. And so I think it's, it's the <clears throat> things that are out of your control that I find most challenging. Like I know deep down in myself, I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest, but I know I can go for forever. I know that like I haven't had a situation unless, you know, like with – with running occasionally you get injured if, if you make a mistake but I've never had a situation where I've had to stop training in triathlons because I'm too tired because I know that I can just keep t- ticking my legs over I can keep kicking I can keep pedaling but it's when you need to push yourself really hard and everything out of your control is going wrong flat tires winds in your face constantly even training for swimming is really hard because you know like I don't have a lap pool at home so I've got to go to a local one but everyone around you who might be slow in the pool you just got to push through it like it's it's so hard to to train with these external factors that internally you have to be so strong to get through it so yeah the the training's tough when your mind isn't strong enough but I feel like with the 
with the sort of mindset that I've got where I know that I can just keep going for as long as possible, I feel like that's what gets me through the, the really hard days where everything's going wrong. And knowing that I've done the work beforehand gets me through those tough ones. Yeah, no, sweet. That's good that you have that like real deep inner belief because you really need that. Something I sort of have gotten better at recently, but it's still like a constant thing is, I'm sure you might be able to relate, is when you're doing hard training, be it footy, be it whatever, there's all, there's sometimes that little voice in your head that just wants people to know like how hard you're working. Oh. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just a need to have appreciation, be li- liked. I don't even know what it is, but something I've gotten better at is like, fuck, you're on your own journey. Mm. You're in your own head here. Like there's a lot of strength to be gained from being able to push through that and not need to need it to be anything else other than what it is for, yeah. for your own journey and not need to get other people's approval oh, sort of thing. I remember I'd, it was a Saturday and during the triathlon season, I stopped drinking. I still go out with my friends, but I stopped drinking alcohol because even if people say, oh, you can have a couple of drinks, I feel like if you stop it completely, you get better and better at it. And look, the, the weight that I dropped after stop drinking alcohol was incredible. But I remember having a really hard bike session on the Saturday morning and I went out to a party on the Saturday night and my mates were, it was maybe a month before triathlon and everyone's talking about the tri- like it. You know, people can't, not everyone's talking about it because no one really cares about it. But <laughs> I remember someone saying, oh, are you still doing it? I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm still doing it. Yeah, it's going okay. And all I wanted to say to someone was, I just had the hardest bike session of my training season and you want people to know how much you're putting into it because like with footy, your teammates see how hard you're trying and, you know, you get text messages after the game of people saying, oh, you've, like, you did really well today. And that's oh, – it's, it's it's the best feeling in the world when someone texts you and goes, like, like you, you were good today. But with triathlon, you don't get that text. Like, you don't get someone saying, like, you looked really good out, out, out there today. Like, you were riding really hard. You were running really well. And it's, 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 it's getting home and thinking, oh, I've – no one knows. No one knows what I'm doing. What? Like, what's the point? Like, I, with footy and everything, like you're always seeing people who are gonna who don't, not boost you but lift you up. So it's it's the hard times when you've worked your ass off and you don't hear it from anyone. It's really hard, but that's where I think the the voice in in your head saying, you know what, just you're the guy who's doing this this race. No, no one else is, and I, I'm not trying to say that I'm better than everyone else but it's when you want that reassurance from people who say that you're doing really well where the voice in your head kicks in and you've got to tell yourself how good you are not how good you are but how well you're doing Mate, because you're not yeah. getting it from anyone else yeah so I think that's it's it's hard but it's so re- rewarding as well yeah that's probably the hardest yeah. part of it yeah you need to have that warrior mentality and obviously I'm a bit of a Goggins Goggins guy now yeah. but he does talk about that and you need to have that strength and I think he said like when he trains like he's like I don't give a fuck if anyone knows what I'm doing I'm gonna mm. still fucking do it that sort of mindset and it's so like man I've been there I'm sure everyone's been there that you want people to know and my only real my best re- thing on this topic would be with rowing because in the boat you're doing the exact same thing so everyone's doing the and with footy you know it can be everyone's a bit different sometimes but with rowing, it's pretty much identical because mm. the pace is the same. 
you know, some people can put in less and more effort, but most of the time everyone there is committed to a session. And with rowing, and there's, I'm reading a book at the moment about, about it, but it's like it's like this like intangible thing. You can't even see it. It's like this spirit sort of to a boat with all these people going through pain. You don't need to tell them. They mm. know. They're, they're fucking in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. And it's just this thing. And it's that, that it, it, it like connects the power of the individuals. It's like a collective power. It's an unspoken of thing. And that, that was probably my favorite thing about rowing is you didn't have to like tell like because when I went back to school, man, and people said you did rowing, right? It was like, fuck, like, I wish you knew how fucking hard this was. Yeah. And like, I'm a fucking warrior. You, I'm training eight times a week and I'm doing all the units you're doing, like with study. Like I'm a fucking beast. And you sort of want people to know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, but then it's like, but then I st- I'm starting to dig deeper into why I need that. And I'm getting a lot of strength out of the fact that I actually don't think I, I need it as much as I think. It's just saying you tell yourself. And like I said, there's still so, there's still so much value in taking compliments and feedback mm. from good, fr- from doing well. And people pat you on the back, man, that, that's good. You, you're developing relationships with people and they're saying well done. But I don't. you can't ever put yourself in a situation where you need that because that's when, you know, you're in the middle of a hard individual training session and you can't just text someone like, "Hey, man, give me a little pump up." Yeah, here. yeah. You're on. At the end of the day, you're in your own fucking journey. You're in your own, you're in your own head. But it is getting that balance right because I'm interested to know because you know you'd be aware of Strava and my stepmom, as you I've spoken to you about, done who I'm going to get on the potty mm. has done lots of is into the, all this stuff that you're doing this endurance stuff and she's done it for what thirty thirty years and and she's got so many people on the Strava. Yeah, they, they do get a lot of power and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, but they do, they love, they love posting it and they love getting fe- like positive feedback and she spends a lot of time on it. But yeah, I'm interested to know like with that sort of side of things. Yeah, look, it's, Strava's great in looking back on it and thinking and seeing what, what you've done that day or what you did last week compared to what you did this week and it's great to record your own stuff and because I, I haven't got a lot of, people who do triathlons with me or that I know about, I don't really have that sort of, I don't really go onto Strava to see what other people have done. Like in terms of my mates, everyone usually, usually runs and things like that. So, but you look at on Strava, you can see in terms of riding and running certain routes that people do. And if there's a stretch of a 500 meter, 500 meter road, that I've got to do and I look back on it and I see how fast I've done it and then you look through how many other people have done it that same day who are so much faster than you. It's like, oh, fuck, these guys are absolutely flying. Like they'll do 500, a 500-metre 500 stretch, stretch of road in a minute and I'm doing it in a minute 45. And it's on the bike? Oh, yeah, on, on the bike. No, I was going to say. no. I, no. Riding, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, no, running 500 metres in a minute, easy. No, but <laughs> like you think these guys are flying and I'm pushing my absolute hardest and they're smashing me by 30, 40 seconds. So I guess I try and look at it as they've probably been doing it for a lot longer than I have, but it's also it gives you a vision of kind of where you need to get to. Like this is the best of the best, of course, and I'm probably never going to reach that, but it gives you a, 
like the next time I I rode that same section, I remember, I remember thinking, let's just push a little bit harder here. So I guess other people doing well around you also lifts you up. Yeah. It makes you think if they can do that, why why can't I? Like I'm training my absolute hardest. Oh. I feel like I'm in the best position that, that I'm at. Let's just try and see if we can push this. And I remember I remember breaking a record on a certain stretch of road, not a very busy stretch stretch of road. So, you know, it's not that fast. And if others did it, they'd probably beat it. But I remember hitting a record on a set on a I think it was a two clone two K loop on a run. And I remember going like I've done I thought I've done pretty well here. So it's good to self motivate you, but it can only get you so far until someone breaks it or you need positive affirmations from yourself. Mm. But the external affirmations definitely help more. But with triathlons, you try and wean off it. You try not to not worry about what everyone else is doing. Because it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a battle with yourself. I'm not there racing. Although you are, you're in an age group and you are racing others for a medal. I'm also not here because I want to beat everyone. I'm here to beat my time from last year or to push myself to a point where I could break, but I don't, and I push through that. So keeping that in mind that it's just a battle with yourself, I feel is really important because otherwise you get too distracted and it can hit, it can hurt you pretty bad as well. Like if you see someone doing so well and you can't hit that, like it, it sort of breaks you as an individual knowing that there are people out there who are better even though you're trying so hard. So yeah. I try to forget about it as much as possible knowing that, I'm just trying to race myself. I'm just I'm just here to better myself. That's the only reason I'm here for. And it does sound selfish, but look, it's a, it's it's a selfish event. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. But my favorite thing probably about these these endurance events that you guys do, and yeah, there are some genetics that help some people. But I'm a bit of a Goggins philosopher, but he says talent not required. And I think that's powerful because, like, you, you don't – you're not fucking born mm. and then, like, oh, this guy's going to be, like, really good at triathlons. Like, you can – you make those decisions each time you train to better yourself. You're on your own fucking journey and, yeah, it's fucking I, – I, Looking at that, like, it's – there's a cliche sh- saying and it's – it's but it, it is a good one. It's hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. And I'm not, I'm not the right build for triathlon. That's a hundred percent certain. Is a lot of the elite triathletes are tall and skinny and lean. And I'm look, I'm not exactly tall, and I'm definitely not skinny or, or lean. But I know that if I work hard, I can push myself to finish an event. So you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't apply it, you can't get anywhere. And look, I'm not the greatest runner or the greatest swimmer. I can ride a bit, but if you have no drive to work hard, your talent can only get you so far. Yeah. A thing that the Dacos brothers talk about it in footy, Goggins talks about it, anyone in this sort of field talks about like setting the standards and they, I think the Dacos boys said like drive the standards or something like that. But it is like a constant thing where like I'm, this has probably been the turning point for me recently is, you know, like I'm preaching things. I'm sort of, I'm well into my why. So, I mean, like I know why I want to do it, mm. but I want to set the standard because like it, you can't, I forgot how Goggins framed it, but if you're wanting to preach something, right, 
you need to be the one to set the standard and you can't just be like you see I I don't like when these these PTs these gym people they're overweight I'm sorry there's no there's no excuse mm. I, I just I, I don't see how and people who talk about health and their doctors and all these things how can how the fuck can you tell people what to do and not live it sort yeah. of thing and yeah I just really think that's been motivating me like with everything I do the little decisions I make whether it's not going on my phone so I can study whether it's I do an extra gym session I do some more stretching it's like I'm telling people this is what I think is really good for you. Mm-hmm. Like I need to model model that behavior. I think I I see a personal trainer every, every, every week just to, I guess, help me with my strength training and things like that. But I, every time he puts out a hard session, I remember him telling me a while ago, it's like, I'm, I'll, I'll never set you something that I can't do myself. So, and I know that like, he's been doing it for so long and he's so good at it, but... He'll never give me something that he can't do. So he he lives with, if I can do this, so can other people and he can help people do it. But I think people who don't, who live a, a life of preaching a message, if they don't live it 100% themselves and aren't fully aren't fully capable of doing everything they, they talk about, you sort of discredit them. You sort of just forget about it. So I... I know there are people who, in terms of, of, of training, set such high standards and only put out the best of the best in themselves. But I think it's when you're at your worst, what you do then is the most important. So like I could have a really good training session and feel great about myself for a week, but if you have a hard week, it's then getting up the next day and then doing that all over again, knowing that you've, you know, I had a crap ride or I did a really bad bad run getting up the next day and going for another run or going for another ride or, or, or swimming again knowing that you've been a bit shit like it's it's getting up the, the next day knowing that oh look I've I've just got to Im- improve like I'm not doing well I've just got, got to get better here that I think's important when it comes to the motto that I want to or not motto but the way i I want to live like my morals and, and, and values the way I want to live is I know that I've just got to keep pushing and just making sure that I'm getting better every single day so I think in terms of those sorts of things it's just really important to just keep living the way that you want to live I guess yeah I love that and sort of saying we haven't really touched on too much but I'm really interested to hear, and I think people would too. Like, obviously, you said you lost a bit of, like, a lot of weight and stuff like that. I think only 10 kilos mm. or something recently. Mm. But how is, like, I guess, I don't know how to frame it, but this investment into yourself, all this energy you've put into bettering yourself, training, training your mind, training your body, how, how much, how has that affected your mental health and, like, your self image? Oh, fuck. I. 2021 is probably the hardest year for me with it. I remember I I just started seeing my personal trainer and we were sort of looking at goals and I said, look, I've got to drop weight and things like that. And he kind of asked me about how I'm doing it and I thought, oh, you know, I don't know, just training. And he he said, it's the easiest thing in the world to say that you want to do things. It's then acting on it and pushing through the hardest part that is and I remember reading the scales one day and just thinking, "Fucking what a what a loser!" I 
and it was the couple of weeks afterwards where I thought I had to change something that was the hardest part and I feel like my I'd really struggled with my body image for a couple of years and I'm probably just getting out out of it now but what changed was the the effort that I put in not looking at the scales for a while knowing that if I just put in my time and just wait the results will come and as I got fitter and got better you know started getting back back on the scales just to see how I was going and you know you drop two kilos in a month and that was the start and then I thought like I'll be good here like I'll if I just keep on doing what I'm doing, you know, I'll drop two kilos the next month and you, know, you get on the scales the next week and you, you, you've dropped another. So I think the it was an exponential growth in myself. Like I was at such a low point and that's what I was saying. Like I remember getting into my car, going to training one night and just I just didn't want to see anyone, didn't want to talk to anyone. I remember getting out of the car and like you're with your mates and all you want to do is tell them but you – can't so it was such an individual battle that I got through and seeing the weight that I've lost now I thought like that that was so easy like I remember looking back on it thinking I I worked hard but fuck it's it's it was so easy for me so I now know that if I'm in that time again hopefully never again but if I'm ever in such a tough situation I know how easy it is to get out of it but you've just got to push through the first few tough moments so it's the long journey that's the best one. Yeah. The first couple of Ks in that journey are really fucking tough, but the next 20 are easy. So it's breaking past the hardest part and then pushing yourself and you feel so good about it afterwards. So like I finished up my first Ironman race. I went and hugged my mum. I just remember like my mates were behind me. I just remember almost breaking down again. And I thought like I, I came from pretty much the worst spot to being the fittest that I'd ever been, finishing a race I never thought I would finish with the best people around me. And I thought like it was it was just the most amazing feeling in the world coming from such a, a long way off to reaching a milestone, which I thought I never could achieve. So, yeah, yeah that was probably the best moment. Yeah. Well, Goggins says, like, we had the tough time, but the darkness is exactly what I needed. Mm. And then, you know, when you come to it, using that as fuel and then when you get to your... You know, you get that reward of all that hard work. It is, you know, really fucking rewarding. Mm. I forgot the, I forgot what I was going to say. I had a really, I had a good point to to ask about. Just give me a second. Oh yeah. So with with all this training, right? Like we're so in this modern world, we're so desperate for an instant reward. That's like, and we'll talk a lot more about that in the the new segment with Jack Matt because I think that's a really prominent thing. But I think. That's why I love what you do and I love and I and I just have a lot of respect for the people who do the endurance stuff because it's not an instant reward thing and I think there's people who get into gym, there's people who get into anything really in life, you can fucking generalise it mm. and I've been in this position, everyone's been here, you just you st- do a little bit of hard work and you just want there to be some reward, you're like yeah. oh I want to be better, I want people to respect me for what I'm doing and the same thing goes for like probably a good example is my podcast right like or what i'm posting like it's it's the journey mm. and it's not there's never going to be it's not about like i get to a certain point and i've achieved i've i'm successful people respect me mm-hmm. or that sort of thing like that's bullshit like it's the journey you're on it's 
it's learning, it's growing as a person, it's finding strong values to stick to. And, you know, people are obsessed with instant gratification now. I th- yeah, that's that's definitely what I thought I, n- I needed. And before doing the first race, months beforehand, when training was really hard, you, I just wanted to stop because I, I, I didn't have that after a, a hard session, which I thought was hard. I didn't have anyone saying... Oh, you know, really well done today, mate. Like, of course, your family members are always going to support you, but you didn't have any of that external stuff that you get from footy or things like that. Like, you didn't have anyone saying, oh, here's where you need to improve, or you did really well today. So the the little things in training where you needed to improve on, you had to talk to yourself about it. So it was the times where I ran for 3Ks and felt, okay and then you run for 5k's and you feel a little bit better and talking to yourself I think is really important with this and I remember starting out thinking like I, I should just stop like I'm, I'm I'm not doing well here but it's because I just had no patience with it I just thought you know from when I started I need to run 10k's str- straight away otherwise I'm never going to be able to run 21k's or I need to ride for as long as possible otherwise I'm not going to be able to run uh, ride for 90k's so I learned that through the first race is patience is really key with all these sorts of stuff. You can't become an elite triathlete in a week. It takes a long time. And look, I'm I'm not elite at all, but I got better because I waited. I did the training and I held out for a while, especially with the whole event is so hard on, on you mentally that you know, and it, I, I felt it in my second training session, my second season of Ironman is I knew how long I had to go but I felt that I could do it because I've done it before so the the patience thing kind of wore off you know the you know the pain you have to go through to get there and you're expecting it to come so the first one was the hardest because you never knew what what, what to expect but I guess my patience the second time around really paid off as well yeah no I love that you have to you have to be patient you have to be you have to find this is what i'm starting to think you have to find a way of living that you can implement every day that's going to be rewarding in itself you're not chasing and goggin oh fuck i don't know i'm obsessed with goggins (laughs) (laughs) but it's so true a lot of his stuff Hmm. is true so you create we create these mountains for ourselves like like think of an endurance event like okay i'm gonna do a triathlon then you get to the top of the mountain right and then the complacency hits in and you're like, it, or it could, like I'm not mm. saying it has, but it it, it, yeah, it, it can hit in. Like mm. I've, I've done it, I've achieved it. If you don't make another fucking mountain for yourself, you've sort of just, you, you get stuck. And I think a question I want to ask you now and something I've explored within myself more recently is, okay, look, we know what you're doing. Yep. Yeah, we know, we know how you're doing it you're, with your training but why are you doing it? And, and there's a book, Simon Sinek, there's Find Your Why, a lot of the golden circle things I look into. And emotion drives us, right? It's, it's, the, it's the fundamental driver, the limbic system. We all think, you know, you can have, you can have reason and it talks, to, it talks to your emotional center. But if, if you think of yourself as a car, the... The driver of the car is the fucking the emotions, and that's that's where it comes into your purpose. And with the endurance stuff, I guess, what what is your why? 
I remember my mum. My mum asked me the same question when I first started training for the first one. She goes, "Who? What are you doing this for?" And I remember just thinking, "Oh, I'm, I'm doing this because you don't think I can do it." And she said, "Like I've I've, I've never said that before." And I, I I almost made that story up in my head that other people think I couldn't do this. And I'm, I remember thinking after the race, like I just made that up com- completely. I was I was doing it to show myself that I could do it. I think it's it going. If you've gone through the hardest times, looking back on it is the best because you know how far away you were. My why is because I I could when I was younger. I, I could do such great things. Like I was a pretty good triathlete when I was younger and then I stopped, went away from it and I got into such a hole. My why was just so I can do it again, so I can tell myself that I can do it again. My why now is because I I, I love it. But I had to push through the gratification that I needed from myself to to get there. I I play footy because I I love it. I don't forgot what my why was because I was it was so long ago that I started loving the game. But with triathlon, the why is still because I had to I had to tell myself that I could do it again. And from being so far away, seeing how far I've come, it makes you tell yourself like, I I could do anything if I if I really wanted to. The great thing about half Ironman is that you finish up and you think, "Oh, how hard was that?" And then you kind of set, like you say, so you set the next mountain, you put it up, and it's the Ironman. So, look, it's probably my this half Ironman coming up in December is probably going to be the last one that I do in terms of half. Or I could do more halves in the future, but the next goal, the next Ironman event I want to do is the full Ironman. So I feel like I'm doing well in setting that mountain, but. Half Ironman is so different to the full Ironman is the mountain I climbed, the next one is, I know it's only double the distance, but it's probably four times higher Yeah, because it's so much harder. Anyone can really run 21Ks if they put their mind to it. 42Ks is very, very different. 180Ks compared to 90. Like it's such a significant increase, but it's the mental battle that's the biggest one. Yeah. It's so much different, so... My why is to prove to myself that I can do it. Yeah. I feel like you see with football players who stop playing the game, they stop enjoying it, they lose their motivation, whatever. And my main conclusion, I guess, is they become really disconnected from their why. Now, if the why drives us, right, read a lot of research about it, so I like I understand the mechanisms, but if our why drives us, we, we need to be constantly connecting with it and I think it's so easy to forget why you do something you, you just do it you do it you like but something I've found immense value and power in is daily recently be journaling and and thinking about how I want to live well and like my values my purpose my why and the, the stronger I hold to that with my daily struggles and I talk about daily struggles they're not fucking we're not talking about struggling to live. We're not in a yeah. third world country. But I mean, who the fuck wants to... Sometimes this training, man, it's hard. Like eating well, choosing to pick the right foods, choosing to do stretching when you could easily just be watching TV. They're, they're daily, little daily struggles. They're choices you have to make. And the closer you are to your why, the easier it is to know that that's the person you want to be and and the easier it is to make good choices and the good thing about being connected to your why, which I'm getting closer and closer to, is you just create so much positive momentum. 
So that's when that's like with the drinking thing, that's created positive momentum. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't have to drink, but it's just a little vote of confidence into yourself. And I'm sure you're aware of with all your training, but like you, you, you hit a good training session, right? It's just a vote of confidence and a vote into yourself. And it just, over time it builds up and you're patient enough. You stick to your why, you stick to your process. A better Tom Eames comes out of what you've done mm. and it is hard and you don't have to, and the thing I've learned as well recently is you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. I, I, in talking about the why, I, I think I, a big part of it in the first one was I had to drop weight early and I had to do that because, but, 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 but that's, that's, that's a what? Yeah, you, but you but, think it's a you think it's a why, but, but why? Do you, do you did you need? Oh, I I definitely needed to for my own to do the race. Like I was just so bad in terms of fitness wise that I had to drop weight, but I had to start eating better. So I remember getting up, you know, before it and thinking, oh, I've got to start eating better. Yeah, but you you would get up in the middle of the night and you'd just go out in, in into the cupboard and grab something. I remember thinking, oh, I I don't, I don't need to do this, and if I'm trying to prove to myself that I can, I can prove to myself that I, I, I can stop that habit. That was my wise. I, I just want to tell myself I, I can be better than this. And yeah. in terms of training, it was, I'm, I'm doing this because I feel like I, I couldn't. And then I want to. Yeah. So my, my why I feel like eventually has to become your, your, your norm. It has to be the base. Yeah. yeah. So, as you said, people who lose the love of footy, they lost their why because they had such a disconnection that the why was too hard to reach. I feel like if if you want to get better at anything, the why has to become a norm. Like you, in terms of your stuff, like you want to get better, your why has to be every day of your life. Not every, every, every second because you need to disconnect from things like that and, because you can't be 100% focus on something 100% of, of the time, but your why has to almost become normal in your yeah. day-to-day life. I felt like that was really important for me to, yeah. to, well, to live it. Well, you th- like just a quick one on what you said. Like you said, like my why, like I needed to lose weight, but that's that's not your why. Like I mean, you quickly explored yeah. it there. So like that's that's your what. Like that's, that's what you need to do. And then how you're going to do it, you know that. Like that's not eating. That's eating a bit healthier. Mm-hmm. It's training stronger. And then you said why, and and you've told me why. You said you wanted to have that full confidence in yourself, mm. that self-efficacy. You wanted to know that you could do it. So then, when you become connected to that, that it's so powerful to connect to those feelings of of sort of becoming like a bit of a warrior, like empowering yourself rather than putting all the focus on the weight loss, mm. because because that's so it's not at the core of 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 yourself. It's it's like it's a byproduct of you living your why. Yeah, true. But if you're focusing yep. on that, it's as you you explore your values and stuff. You're not connecting to your innermost self and who you want to be. Mm. And when we start connecting to our why, it changes it changes our how because, and then it changes our what. And like you said with the awareness thing, like that's the first step is creating awareness of something like that, and then you can you know change change your your habits for the positive thing, but. You know, with Simon Sinek and the whole why thing, I think it's so powerful to people to explore and mm. something I've been getting into. And it's yeah, no, it's I, I feel like yeah, I can probably learn learn a lot from that. Is and he said something which just hit me is my why has probably changed, but 
my why changed my what and how. So I'm now no longer looking at how much weight I have to lose and what training I have to do. I'm looking at how much further I can push my times and what training I've got to do to get so much better. Yeah, but why? Yeah, so I've 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 probably got to find that new why. Exactly. Yeah. Is, there's nothing wrong. With, no, there's no. nothing wrong with not knowing. That that's no. That's, so, you have to explore yourself, and yeah. that's the powerful thing. And you'll come out of this with a bit of self exploration, even better. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I think I had a why, but now it's changed. So I've probably got to look at what my why is now. Like, of course, I want to feel better about myself, but I know that I can do it. Yeah. So I, I'm, my, my why is probably no longer there. So I guess I've got to figure that out. Yeah. yeah there's nothing sure. wrong. That that the thing is though, that's powerful. Like. Mm. It takes a lot of courage to to say, like, I'm, I'm, I want to explore myself. And, that, and it can be scary. But like Goggin says, we need to stop running away from the truth. Yeah. No. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll come come out of this better. I know when, you know, it's never, it's, it's never a fucking smooth road, but every time you challenge yourself and you look deeper, you'll come out better. Mm. Especially with, you know, I know the caliber of your person personality and you're going to come out of all this stuff, this self-exploration, way better. So, you know, that's a good little, <laughs> that was a great little chat with all this stuff. We'll get into some some audience questions. We don't want to, we could drag this out all day. The reason we'll cut that one short is because we do, we will have you back on with Jack Mack. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to talk a, a bit, a lot more about all this stuff, which, you know, I love hearing your insights. So we'll get into the audience questions. This could be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> So, thoughts on Qantas reverting oh. that adds back to, I still call Australia home. Oh, this is some of the, the threes boys down at North Beach. I, I was a, oh, For a bit of context, I was part of the Australian Boys Choir, National Boys Choir of Australia, back in Melbourne when I was a little bit younger. <laughs> um, it, was, it was supposed to be in a Qantas ad, but it got cut, so those threes boys, yeah, a bunch, bunch, of, <laughs> bunch of losers, but a bunch of legends as well, so that's where that one comes from. Let's go. What's it like being the skip of the twos after the first game? Though? Oh, fucking so hard. Yeah, it comes up to the twos audience yeah, well, and look, then he's I've, the skipper. Yeah, I've no playing, surprise to me, but yeah. <laughs> I was playing threes all year and then got brought up to the twos. My second game, I was you know, I was captain for, for the game, but you know, I'm, I'm not captain for the rest of the year. But who is, who's, have you done a vote? Taylor Nicole. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But you know, it was great to hear that the coach picked me as captain for a game, but you know, I'm... I'm I knew that I'm not captain for the rest of the year. I'm just there for the day, but I feel like I, you know, I played my role well. But I'm also there to, to be led. I feel like as as a leader, the most important part of being a leader is the ability to be led as well. There's always someone above you. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. So I feel like learning on. I was a, little, a captain last year, but I feel like this year I've really learned on how to. Be led by someone else, which yeah. I find really important. So yeah, no, I'm I'm not the captain of of the twos. That's uh, that's Irish, but yeah. <laughs> Are you the best fullback at North Beach? No, I think the man sitting next to me is. I don't. Oh, yeah, I sense centre half back and if back not, pocket sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, if not Tom Hooper is, but no, I'm definitely not the best fullback at North Beach. Best player you've ever played with? Oh, got to be. You've played with Matty Johnson. Played with Matty Johnson. Justin Pryor will hopefully. Want it to be himself, but no, it's not him. <laughs> you, you want to know who's sending the question? Is it JP? I'm not allowed to tell oh. you. That's my, my new rule is I don't say who unless they want to know. Uh, no, nah, Matt, Matt Johnson's definitely the best player I've ever played with. Played against Nick Dacos back what? in Melbourne. Yeah, what? yeah. I played against I've, a few AFL players, actually. When was that? Back was in Melbourne. Oh, I, I did all my primary school in Melbourne and played against Nick Dacos. How old? 
Oh, we would have been 12. How many goals and disposals did he have? He had about 14 kick seven. <laughs> we we lost 132 to two. So he was one of the best ones. I played against uh, is it Will Taylor. Who plays? Sam Taylor, GWS? No, North Melbourne, young kid. Where's Curtis Taylor? No, not Curtis Taylor. His name's Will. Will Phillips? Will Phillips, that's the one. I played against Will Phillips as well, and he was, I thought, was going to be better than Nick Dacos. Yeah, um, there's a lot of hype around him. He was nuts. So I played against him as well, but the best player I played with, definitely Matt Johnson or Ben Golding at second yeah, half. Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah, he had a very golden patch, didn't he? Greatest sporting achievement other than captaining a premiership team? The Ironman, for yeah, sure. Fin- finishing the first one, I think, was the best. Tide Brook. The second one was good. BYC. I don't even know. What oh, this is coming from Nick, from Nick Cleaver, backyard cricket. Oh, b- um, oh, mate. I we would go. I would go to his house during the summer, every day, and I would never ever win. I don't know why I kept going back. Yeah, he's a gunner. He would absolutely destroy me. I'm certain it's because he bowled faster than he was supposed to and just <laughs> went straight through me. But I was, there, was there a pace limit? you got to agree upon, in the backyard, if it's too small, you have to agree upon pace. We had to, at my front yard, we had to, no, there's no bowling, it was like a flick of the hand, because it was just, you, if it's yeah. four metres, you can't fucking Yeah, look, bowl. look, we, we said, occasionally it was like, mate, that's, that's too fast, <laughs> but he's such a big lad, like, it comes from so far away, the ball, it comes from so high that he just rocked straight through me, and then he'd spank me for six when I was bowling, so, no, I reckon I won one game of backyard cricket in about three years, so... I reckon my win rate's probably 0.01% in that regard. Yeah, I was <laughs> atrocious. How does it feel to skipper a team to Premiership glory? Hashtag BBB. That's one of the words from last year. BBB is the term that Darcy Sparks, the coach, gave us, the bad beach boys, <laughs> which was, yeah, it's one of the best. But I remember starting off the year wanting to play A grader all year and... I didn't. I got brought down to the seas and was made captain for a while and I kind of lost passion and lost the interest in it. I remember we sort of had an unspoken rule that you shouldn't go out on the Friday night before a game and drink. I remember I did with a few mates once, rocked up a little hungover and there was a video from the night before. I was like, oh, Tom, I'll just play tomorrow. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's only C grade. One of my mates the next day who was playing in the team said, oh, it's only C grade, is it? And I was like, Kind of made me think. I was like, "Fuck these! Why? Who am I to say something like, oh, what? I don't care about the team, so and therefore it doesn't really matter how I play.' So I kind of thought about that, thinking these guys are putting so much passion and so much effort into it. Who am I to come into this side and not give a hundred percent? So the premiership was definitely. Oh, it's one of the best moments of, of my life, and I think the last couple of months, I definitely improved on being a leader, knowing how much it meant to everyone else, that I kind of put my whole passions and interests into it. Yeah, it was great. It was oh, such such a good game. Not for them. They We played university in a grand final, and we played them in a prelim two weeks before, and they won by seven points. And I remember going into the grand final game thinking, oh, we, we can beat these blokes so easily. And we won about 60-7 to seven in the grand final. So yeah. it was a great win, but I remember thinking to myself, like, I changed so much during the season. I lowered my colours a bit that I sort of had to do it for them. I had to lift as, especially as as a leader, as a captain, with someone coming up to you and 
almost implying that you don't care. I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to be better here. So, yeah, I kind of, no, it was a great moment. It was so good. Yeah. It's good, good to be challenged, though. Mm. I guess, like we talk about, you might see that as like a failure of yourself, but you're only going to come out of it better mm. if you have the courage to look yourself in the mirror and become that better version of yourself. Mm, for sure. So, two quick segments to finish. We've got the turntables, and then we'll pull a vulnerability card out. So... What do you got for me in the turntables? Uh, what's the biggest sporting adversity that you've had to get through? So in terms of footy or rowing or whatever it is, what's the hardest time that you've had to go through to then reach a goal? Yeah, good one. I'd probably say, you know, yeah, when I broke my ankle. But that's because, I mean, it's, it's an easy one. But, you know, you're yep. miss, missing pretty much the whole season. And that was a pretty bad injury. And I guess that's pretty much like the only real long-term injury I've had. And just like the the, mo- the headspace you get in. And, you know, you just, it. it's like we talk about the darkness. Like it is that sort of darkness and you learn a lot about yourself and, and reflecting on that, like, geez, like if I, you know, people say this all the time, but if, mm. like, if, I, if I knew what I knew now, man, if I knew what I knew now then, I would have been in a way better position to yeah, deal with it. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of life. You never, you can't live with that mindset. But that's why I'm on a constant journey to keep mm. improving and learning. But definitely that because, like, man, it sucks to break your ankle and then you're in a, I'll tell you a funny story with that. It's like, it was two-week holiday, which actually timed well. But then when I came back to school, I was still in a moon boot. And the amount of times I pretty much nearly fell down the stairs at <laughs> Hale, gone upstairs. And you just feel hopeless, man. Like, you just feel useless. Mm. It's it seeps into your mindset. Like you're walking around, you feel like when you're physically inhibited, you feel it. It, it affects you mentally. Like you feel like you, know, you feel like a bit of a loser at times. But oh no, I know a lot of people who lose their passion after an injury, and you hear about it in the extreme cases in AFL and things like that. That you know a knee injury, and then that's it for them. But I think it's it's definitely hard. I know like you can have an injury and you think you're at the top, at the top of your game and you just got to start all over again and you feel like you're so far behind from everyone else. So, no, it's definitely a hard one to get through for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's pull a card each and we'll... All righty. Whatever you want, just grab one. If you don't like it, grab it again. That's my new rule. Okay, let's go. <laughs> the cards are hard. The cards like, are hard. If you don't get one, come straight to you. It's, 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 not, it's hard to answer it and not... Oh, if saying comes straight to you... Yeah, I got one. It okay. doesn't have to be deep, whatever, whatever you think comes to you. You'll know, because like, okay. I've opened this one, I'm like, yeah, this speaks to me. So this one is, am I answering this, this one? Yeah, you answer that. In my family, my role is, I feel like my, oh, sometimes I'm the mediator in my family. I know a couple of my family members clash a few times, so I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be the one who... Doesn't you know, I don't go over and ask you know oh, how how you going but I feel like I'm always there like I'm always someone that I can my family members can go to to vent or rant about something that someone else has done so I feel like I'm I'm supposed to be happy around them at all times to make them feel better through their hardest times so yeah I guess that's my role Shit, that is a hard one hey? yeah it's always hard if you look at it too much mm. but no good that's a good one mm. definitely valuable as well for your family. I got. I spend too much money on. Now this would be. It's not a bad thing to spend money on, but it's still. I'd say like two. Th- it's just anything like books and supplements and things like. You know, I spend a lot of money 
like probably spent like a, a grand in the past month on I just ordered three hundred and forty dollars worth of these things like but yeah. a lot of it a lot of it's just to try and imp- yeah. just yeah. find and like I don't I'm I'm in a good space where mm-hmm. I can say it didn't work and not, not I'm not not the sunk cost fallacy but I can need to keep doing this. Yeah. I've got the I don't know, I'm I'm almost like fuck, I just wanna keep finding what's best for me mm-hmm. and and then just sticking with that and and finding good foundations and I'm in a good space where I can, like I said, just if it doesn't work, move on to the next thing yeah. and see what works for me. But probably too much money on books, man. Like, yeah, it's I, such a good one to spend too much money on. <laughs> hey, oh, I just spend too much money on books, like, hey, man. Yeah, I just, yeah. Like I just, I was, I, I was at the shops, I was at the shops with my girlfriend on Friday, and I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to buy anything. Right, <laughs> like, I'm not going to buy anything. I bought, th- I bought three books, sixty five dollars. Hedgebrook. Yeah, man. I, f- I finished one, and I've just started another one. I finished it in two days. No, it's definitely a good thing to spend your money on. Like, oh, I know that in terms of meat, that spend too much money on is trash. It's such an expensive oh, sport. Oh. Tell me, yeah, quick, quick one before you end. I'm interested in that because we didn't speak about that. But obviously, dad and stepmom, yeah, own the endurance stuff. Yeah. And man, dad's got like these ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollar bikes he's had. And fuck, oh. man, it's how do you like? Because at the end of the day, it's broke. A good there, is, there, there is a performance advantage in mate, you can, oh, the bikes. 100%. It, it is such a nuffy sport as well. Like, <laughs> you can get some blokes who you see him riding during the event. You're like, you are no, you are so not fast enough to wear what you're wearing to have <laughs> the bike that you've got. Look, my, my dream bike is a 15 grand bike, but, you know, my, my bike's $1,800. But, you know, I'm, I'm still at uni. For fuck's sake. I, yeah. I can't buy these 15 grand bikes. But, like, I spend so much money on shoes. Luckily, I've got a few mates who work at shoe stores so I can get a, a, a good discount. But even things like the little things like going to the pool and training, you still pay five bucks every time you go. Yeah. So it's 10 bucks a week. And what if you're training for 20 weeks, like it's still, it all adds up. Mm. And I've got to buy a new pair of shoes every season because you eventually run on, you run for too long on them. So the, they start to wear out a bit, but the bike can get so expensive. Like, Especially in servicing it, like if if you break something on on your bike, it's like taking your car in for a service. It's always it's always a thousand dollars. Like it's never a thousand bucks, but three hundred, four hundred dollars every time you service it. It's like, but there's nothing wrong with it. Yes, yeah. they just all yeah. yeah so yeah. it can get really expensive, especially with the the gear that some people wear, like the aero helmets. Yeah, which everyone thinks is you know going to make me so much better. And yes, for the elites, it might shave a few seconds off their time, but for the nuffies that just do it for the fun of it, like you just don't need it. Like, yeah, it looks good, but yeah, you, know, you spend too much money on it. Yeah, definitely spend too much money on certain mm. things. But also, quick shout out to Dad. Definitely listen to this. He does pay for it. a lot of <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things that a lot of stuff I do buy for myself. So yeah, thanks, Dad. Oh yeah, thanks love you. Ya. So yeah, that's that's all we got. I guess that's it. But yeah. look forward to it was a great chat. Firstly, and then look forward to the. New little segment series with Jack. I still haven't finalised how we're going to go about it. <laughs> no, it's but, right. but I'm really excited to. It's better if things just kind of run. I yeah, man, hundred sort of percent. Not too much, but yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. But thanks for coming on. It's a great insight into your journey. I'm sure we'll hear little snippets of it throughout my new series with Jack. But yeah, yeah perfect. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, man. I've learned, I've learned a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Hope you guys enjoyed that. So research, try and find, but you don't know where to go. 
So many thoughts flood through your mind You're confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You'll find out by and by Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.